this is the Women Encouraged podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We are all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, and we're delighted to be sharing with you these conversations with women who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. In the second half of each show, I'll be chatting with different members of our Women Encouraged team about the interview, and I'm praying that this is a place of blessing and encouragement for you. Welcome to the conversation. Hi, friends, and thanks for joining us today for this episode. We're really privileged to welcome writer and encourager Lisa Jacobson to the podcast today to talk about some key elements of a thriving marriage. Lisa and her husband, Matthew, have been married for over 25 years now and have written the companion books Marriage Wisdom for Him and Marriage Wisdom for Her. You might know Lisa's name better if I mentioned she started the blog Club 31 Women, which has served countless readers with encouragement to live out their calling as Christian women. I want to apologize in advance for the sound issue with Lisa's audio. We did our best to clean that up, and I trust you'll still be able to appreciate her message. Today, we talk through her article, 25 Things It Takes to Make It to 25 Years. And after the interview, Alyssa and I sit down to chat about a few of those things and how we've been personally impacted by them or how we're trying to grow in them. As always, you can find show notes for the episode on our website, womenencouraged.ca, and a link to Lisa's articles and books there. Welcome, Lisa Jacobson, to the Women Encouraged podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. I'm really glad to be able to be here with you. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and um, your story? Yes. Well, I'm Lisa and uh, Matt and I have been married for, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary this year. And together we have eight children. Our youngest is 12 and then our oldest just turned 24. So we had eight children in 12 years. And even though it sounds like that would not be mathematically possible, it is because that's what we did. Okay. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about your ministry with Club 31 Women? Yes, I um, I never expected to start uh, a blog website, Club Three Women. Um, I was, you know, as a mom of eight children, it's not like I was looking for more things to do. But just the way God works, He just put a, several things all together at the same time, and it um, it suddenly made sense. And and basically, it grew out of my own need when I was a younger wife and mom, and I felt so alone in my journey. And I didn't expect to feel that alone. And I expected it. I'm not saying I expected it to be easy, but it was just so much harder than I thought it was going to be. And um, and so I just was scrambling to read books, read articles. And I just remember wishing there was someone that was just a little farther down the road than me that could help me and encourage me. And so that was my motivation is just remembering my own almost desperation, you know, to to get some help and not just, you know, to equip me, but also even just to encourage me. I just could have so used someone saying, Hey, you can do this and that's all right. And this is normal. Just all those things I think would have made a world of difference. And so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to share um, from my own experience and mistakes and um, what I learned along the way. And you and your husband have done quite a lot to encourage marriages to grow strong in the Lord. Can you share a bit about those books you've written together and um, what you do together? Sure. Wait, you know, when we first were married, we got married a little bit older. Um, He was 32 and I was almost 27. And um, even by then, even though that's not that old, it was older than a lot of our other friends that got married. And we just saw um, 
just so many marriages struggling and or falling apart. And we looked at each other and we thought, we want to do it differently. We just, I mean, not that everybody who, who doesn't want a loving close marriage, right? But we were so, we just thought there's got to be a way to do this, that, that we can um, end up at the end of our married lives together, still loving each other. And that was the journey that we started 25 years ago. And it was just about maybe uh, four or five years ago that we were sitting down at the Back Porch Cafe and we were talking about some friends um, that were struggling in their marriages. Some couple were new, fairly newly married and then a few were actually been married quite a few years. And we were just remarking to each other how they had similar struggles, even even um, even though they were in a different place in their marriage and 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 how they were so much closer to what they wanted than they realized. They felt far apart from from their hopes and dreams for their marriage, but it, it wasn't as far as we thought, you know, as they thought. And and we um, as we were talking about that, and and then you know suddenly like Matt just said, you know, there must be fifty ways to you know, to love your husband or wife and. And I said, a 50, you know, there must be a hundred ways. And we just had that aha moment in that cafe where we looked at each other and thought, you know what, let's write those ways down. And so that we could encourage um, marriages that go, you know, there's marriage isn't easy always, um, but there are a lot of simple things you can do every day to build a better marriage. And that's pretty much what it, what the books were born out of. And initially I thought they were pretty simple books. I was a little bit, you know, they felt, I didn't want to oversimplify things, but um, God has just used those books in uh, ways we never thought possible. And I think a lot of times people are in a place where they go, I just don't know where to begin. And if you can give them one thing to do today that will make a difference in your marriage, it's a great place to start. Yeah, that's really neat. And I think even for marriages that might feel a bit stronger, like they for myself, I feel like I have a really good marriage. I feel very thankful and blessed. But at the same time, um, even when you feel like your marriage is strong, you don't want to become complacent or or just lapse into bad habits of taking each other for granted. And so I really like um, just the things that you share on the blog and in your writing, bring it all back to a perspective that, you know, you don't ever want to just kind of sit back and put your feet up and say that, everything's going to be fine. Like everything that you want to do well is going to take that effort. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And I think that's another, um, a whole nother category of marriage um, that, that also really benefit from that kind of thing. Cause you know, it's life keeps coming at you. So you get busy and you've got a good thing going and it's almost easy to take that for granted instead of really stopping each day and saying, no, let's sit down and let's um, you know, let's have a cup of tea together or, Let's go for a walk and just those little things that that remind each other how I forgot how much I enjoy you. Yeah, that's exciting to hear that. Thanks for being a great example to husbands and wives of how to really intentionally plan on loving and serving your spouse. I think that's so important to have. So I'm really thankful for you and Matthew. You wrote a piece recently called 25 Things It Takes to Make It to 25 Years. And um, just found this to be just really short reminders, but really good ones too. It's kind of the thing you want to print and just put on your fridge so you can walk past it every day and remind yourself, hey, this is what it takes to intentionally plan to have a long-term marriage that's a healthy one and one that's just full of joy and life. One of the things that you point out in there is um, 
is kindness. That's the first thing that you point out. And that's something that we might not always think, oh yeah, I need to remember to be kind to my husband. Yeah, I think it's, it is, it's, it seems such an obvious one. And I think it's one of the first things we leave off with when we get married. And I, I had this moment of realization with that when I, I thought about how kind I try to be toward my girlfriends. I have a couple of really close girlfriends. And so I, you know, that those little things you do where you go, um, like maybe they're sick. And so you drop off a little gift basket for them, or they are having a hard day and you come beside them and you say, Oh, how are you doing today? I've been praying for you. I just want you to know I'm here for you. Just those kind of things and those kind words. And, you know, and my husband will get sick and I'll go, oh, okay, this is a bummer. This is really going to wreck my day. Um, you know, because now you're sick and I have to take the kids and, you know, right. Right. And, you know, and maybe I'm, you know, making it, you know, exaggerating, but like inwardly, that is my, can be my response. Right. Instead of thinking, look right, at the effort right. I make to be kind to those people around me that I really care about my own husband. I'm just less so. And, um, and it's such a, it adds such sweetness to your marriage, those little kind things. Yeah. The other thing is, it's the word devotion that you have in there as well. And, and um, you wrote that it's an old fashioned concept and quickly passed over in modern times as if being devoted to another person is a sign of weakness when it actually brings strength. And I found this really interesting, not necessarily because it's something that is a difficulty for me, but I don't think about it in those terms a lot of the time. Like it just seems like, and not everybody's going to find it natural that they're going to gravitate towards this in their marriage. But at the same time, to be really intentional about being devoted to another person. Yeah, I think in it's even our current culture. It's a, it's okay to be devoted to God, um, you know, in the Christian culture, and then but outside of that, it's very much you know independent. It's about you. It's about not. Um, not being reliant on someone else or um, giving yourself to someone fully. And, you know, you have to you know, guard your heart. You have to um, look after yourself, those kinds of things. And, you know, and as I was looking at Christian marriage, I realized that's not what God calls us to. He really does call us to be devoted to one another and how strengthening that is in your marriage. And when people see Matt and I in the same room together, you know, my hope is that within a short period of time that they would say, you know what, they're devoted to one another and um, in a healthy way, right? Not in a, you know, unhealthy way, but just in a healthy way. And I, it, it is a kind of one of those hidden, um, hidden strengths, I would say. Right. And this is something that we kind of have already just kind of touched on, but just um, the point that you made on vision, making sure that you keep the long-term dream in your mind, not cho- you know, like choosing not to get discouraged in the process by um, really looking at like, what is our goal? What do you, we, what do we want to become? And then really just practicing what you want to become. Yes. I think that is, I don't know if everybody else has struggled as much as I have, but I have a terrible, I have a terrible temper <laughs> and my husband can bring it out better than, I mean, actually I'm not, not with you, like with you, I'd be so patient. I don't know what it is about marriage, <laughs> but you know, I, I tease you. I says, you know, you can turn, you know, I can go from zero to 60 with you for some reason. And in our younger years, I would, um, I'd walk around the property and just walk and walk and walk and try to walk out my anger, you know, cause I was frustrated or hurt or, and, and just so want to just walk away. Um, and, and I mean, I don't know that I would do it, but just that's, you know, in my emotions, that's absolutely what I was wrestling with. And, um, 
And then I would see his parents who have lived with us for the last 20 years. And I would see them sitting there together on their couch, just holding hands. And after, you know, 50 plus years of marriage. And I thought, no, I don't, I want that. I want to be sitting there holding his hand in 50 years. And, and I need to go back in the house (laughs) and I need to work this out with him. And, and I need to put my hurt feelings aside and, and, want a strong lasting marriage more than I want to nurture my hurt feelings. Yeah. So we're kind of at um, number six now, but the one so far, kindness, honesty, which seems like a given, but it isn't always Um, devotion, vision, and patience. And then to compassion. Um, This is one that really touched me. And maybe it's because I've been working through um, memorizing Colossians Three, part of Colossians 3 with my kids and really thinking on what is God requiring me to put on as, as someone who's holy and beloved when he calls me to put on a compassionate heart. And it doesn't mean just saying I'm okay with somebody else's sin, but it's really about um, looking at them as a member of the body and feeling compassion if they're being burdened down by sin or a struggle. And I just, I love that you, you bring that into here that we really need to intentionally put on compassion. Yes. I, you know, it is, like I said, we can be so frustrated with our spouse and, and maybe their weaknesses. So like I said, I, I, it's not necessarily about overlooking sin, but having compassion for their weaknesses and, just, it's funny, just, just the other day, Matt was just saying to me, you know, he said, there's like the, the little boy in every man and, you know, and, and things that will trigger his hurts from his own childhood, his own fears. And he said, you know, and a lot of times you wives, you don't realize, you know, how much of that affects us and, as well, and that we're not immune to those kinds of things. And I think um, having compassion for their own struggles is um is really helpful to a um, to a marriage instead of just being frustrated or being done with them um just praying for them and then choosing thankfulness um i think that's so important as well like we that's another thing that sometimes seems to fall by the wayside when we start taking each other for granted yes and i i you know it isn't it it's isn't it easy just to start looking at all the negatives, right? The places where um, he lets me down, or you know, isn't what I thought, and and you know, I think he and I've had so many conversations, especially in the beginning of our marriage, where I would just say things like, "Let's just say, it, you know, you never take me out, and I'm just in the here in the house all the time," and we'd get this hurt and horrified look on his face, and he'd say, "Honey, you know, I brought you home flowers yesterday, and." Do you remember I took the kids so you could get a break? And like right off the bat, he had five things and he wasn't trying to like push it in my face. He was just saying, don't, he said, don't those things count for anything with you? And I was super convicted and I realized, you know what? I could have spent, you know, the last 12 hours focusing on those things he has done rather than stewing over the one thing (laughs) I wanted him to do. Right, right. It's like, you know, I remember my mom telling me one day that she had become really convicted that, you know, all these years she was feeling kind of put out that my dad would forget to, you know, maybe close the closet door or something like that. And then one day God really convicted her that, you know, she had a husband who forgot to close the closet door. And, 
and how that that shift in her perspective really helped her. And so I try to think about that too, because nobody's husband is going to be perfect. And so somebody's going to leave their socks on the floor. And so when you just say, thank you, Lord, as you pick up the socks or something like that, just as an example, um, it just changes how we look at the other person when we're thinking about all the things that they, that they are rather than what they're not. It reminds me of the first, like even blog post I wrote, which is funny because I had a young wife write me and she was so frustrated with her husband because he kept leaving his wet towels on their bedroom floor. And it was just clearly frying her that he was doing this. And I just, <laughs> you know, and I remember thinking, and I had compassion for that. Like I, I get that frustration, it, you know, so it's not, it's not that it's not real, but then, but I also was in, wanted to encourage her that, do you know, you can choose not to be frustrated. And it literally takes 10 seconds to pick up someone's wet towel and hang it up. And you know what, maybe it's not, an ideal, uh, you know, setup or whatever, but honestly, I just, what a blessing that you have, you know, the, like you said, like you have a husband and a father to your children. And, you know, if the worst thing you have to do is pick up is what towel you're, it's not so bad. Right. And forgiveness and humility that, that seem to go so hand in hand, you have listed here as well. And those things being components of a healthy marriage. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I probably wrote that for myself, um, because I, I think I, um, and I'm probably not the only wife that tends to think I'm, I'm more righteous somehow. I'm less, you know, I make less mistakes or I don't know, you know, and I, it's not true. It's deception, <laughs> but I would, this was another area I was very convicted in that I, that I need to not think that way. And that, um, when he asked me for forgiveness that I need to not hold, I'm, I've been a slow forgiver, as my husband says, but I've been working on that and just saying, yes, I forgive you. And, um, and who am I when I think of all God's forgiven me for, for to, to not be ready to forgive you and to ask forgiveness in turn, because I would have a tendency to just kind of brush things over and move on rather than really coming to him and saying, Hey, this is the part that I did in that last, you know, argument we had, because I could have been more respectful. I could have been kinder. I, you know, there's always a part you have. Yeah. You're not the only wife that, that struggles with that. It's tempting to think, well, here I've been at home and I've been holy all day and he comes home and I see, I see his unholiness and, um, and really just instead offering, yeah, that compassion and, um, the humility of knowing that God is at work in that person. And, and I need to be eager to forgive them when they wrong me. That just changes the tone of the marriage completely. It does. Like, and Matt would say, like he just the other day, I heard him saying he was, you know, it's really hard for two humble people to get in an argument. Yes. Oh, yes. That's so true. It Love really, that. that really struck me. And I just, I actually overheard him on the phone saying it. I thought I wrote it down. I thought I need to remember this because it's, isn't that true? If you have two humble people in the same room, it's pretty hard to get in a, get too worked up in a, you know, heated argument. My dad has said multiple times, I keep bringing up my parents, I guess, but my dad has said multiple times that the best marriages are where each person believes they got the better end of the deal. And that takes so much humility. Yes. Oh, he's what a wise man. I totally agree with that. So other other things on your list are faith and, you know, just believing that God can do all things. And I really love that you included these things in your list because these are not always the conventional things you might read in a blog post, but affection, laughter, 
tears, and then sex. We don't often bring those things up, but these are important parts of our intimacy with our husband. Yes. I got, I think, um, I think like laughing together is really important and, um, and being able to step back from all the seriousness of life and just, you know, laugh, at, laugh at yourself, you mm-hmm. know, laugh at the other person's jokes and, um, and just, you know, enjoy those little things. And then as far as, you know, I, and I separated affection from sex, although they're not necessarily separated, but, but, you know, when I think of affection, I just think of the, sometimes, you know, I can, I can feel the tension of my husband, you know, maybe he's got some heavy work things on him or he's a pastor. So he might have a, a ministry situation that's weighing on him. And I find that they're just like draping my fingers across his shoulder as I walk by, you know, so I'm not adding to his burden. I'm just letting him know that, that I'm there with him, you know, and it just, I can see him visibly soften because of that touch. And, um, and then, uh, and then as far as, you know, I, I think it, it, as far as sex goes, it, it does play a powerful role in your marriage. And I, and, um, and I feel like these days it's so confusing because of the, you know, it, rampant immorality and the sexual revolution It's kind of everywhere, but nowhere as believers, I think all the more we have to commit to um, enjoying our, the bodies that God gave us and um, making sure we make that a priority even. And, you know, with eight kids and falling to bed at night, it, it's um, you're tired or, you know, there's always a good reason not to, <laughs> but instead of saying, Hey, you know, let's, let's turn in a little bit earlier, um, making sure that, that we're connecting in every way. Yeah. And you you mentioned affection that you kind of separated it on the list from from sex, but at the same time, that is one of those kind of ways of warming up the oven, right? <laughs> and yes. women are not always as quick as men with that kind of stuff. So it's I think those things are really helpful to be thinking about and intentional about those things, and not just letting them happen when they happen because then they'll probably never happen because we're moms and we're busy and we're tired. Yeah, I, and I, I don't know if this is TMI, but um, you know, my husband works at my husband works at home, and so he's up in his office. And I find that just by going up there, bringing the you know maybe bringing him a cup of coffee, and then I'll sit on his lap and you know kind of get a little suggestive with him, and and you know it's just it's really a wonderful thing because it kind of is his signal like, hey, tonight might be good. Right, right. <laughs> that helps, right. It does. It helps us prepare us kind of both. And it also warms me up. So I'm not going to necessarily wait for him to um, give me the signal, but just kind of, like you said, just a little touch of, Hey, I remember you and I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still hot for you, babe. <laughs> so you also include in here understanding and service, which you, you noted is not a popular notion. Um, it's almost a demeaning idea for some people. And yet you go on to say, um, nevertheless, you will want to serve one another. I'd even go so far as to say, try and outserve one another. A little competition can be healthy. I kind of love that because we don't often think about service in a marriage. We want to be served. We're very good at, at wanting to be served. But when mm-hmm. it comes to actually pouring out for one another, that's something that we tend to shrink from. Yeah. And they think about, you know, Jesus came to serve, you know, that's, that's such a biblical concept and, and we might serve in our churches, we might serve in our friendships and certainly, you know, serve our children, 
but there's something about us that go, okay, but you got to draw the line somewhere. And I'm drawing it at my husband. <laughs> yes. And, but that's not, you know, that's not a biblical concept. It's actually the first thing we should be doing is laying down our lives for each other. And in, and in that, in service is part of that. And so, yes, we, you know, and I, I recognize that in some marriages, the wife feels like, Hey, I'm the only one doing the serving here. And I appreciate that. And I, th- I don't think that should stop you from serving. Although ideally you will have both husband and wife serving one another. And with us, it's just little things like, let me get you, you know, do you want a drink of water? Yeah, here, I'll, let me go get that for you. Or I remember the first time I was at a family reunion and, um, and the family, our family wasn't very, well, we weren't into that. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> we're all we were sitting around and I think Matt, he indicated he'd like a cup of coffee. And I jumped up and said, Hey, I'll get it for you. Cause he was in conversation and I could see that. And I went to go get the cup of coffee and I come back and literally the entire room of this, these extended family members were staring at me aghast, you know, like, Oh, wow. <laughs> So it was the funniest thing. It it, uh, it made me laugh. You know what? There there are worse things than getting your husband a cup of coffee. You know. Yes. Oh my goodness, that's so funny. No, it's true though because so many women feel like you know if I have to hold my ground and then I I don't know why we get these hard hearts though in this way, but it's I think it has it has a lot to do with fear. Um, fear that somebody's just going to start taking advantage of us. So then we don't offer ourselves in service to each other. Yes. And it, it actually has that negative, you know, because then you're looking after your own, you're looking after your own until you're both so far away from each other rather than connecting through that. Let me look after you. No, let me look after you. And so, yeah, I think, and then my husband also, I am blessed to have a husband who does serve me and cares for me that way. And he does actually make my coffee every morning for me. And and that's how I start my day. I'm very spoiled. And I have the same problem of being spoiled by, by that. He makes me breakfast and coffee. And I love getting up early with him and just spending those moments before the kids wake up. And yeah, sometimes he even brings it to me um, to wake me up in the morning, which is pretty great. That is that's um, something to boast about right there. <laughs> it is. I love bragging on him. One of these next items is prayer. And I... I I was very convicted by this because I do, I do pray for my husband, but I think really intentionally taking time to spend time thinking and praying for him and the the different things he's going through or the needs that he has. Um, Oftentimes I'll find I pray for him in passing or I'll stop, you know, we'll pray together before he leaves. But during the day to actually take those moments where I might just have some time alone for a minute and intentionally think about and pray for the needs he has. It's something that I, I don't necessarily gravitate towards. I found this very convicting and I felt like it also um, is kind of that answer to one of the things you said a a few minutes ago. And um, you know, maybe not everybody has a marriage where, where the husband is serving his wife and the wife's doing a lot of the serving, but we can take that to the Lord. There are two, you know, categories of that prayer. There's just that daily prayer of lifting him up for, you know, protection, for wisdom, um, for strength and you know those maintenance things, but then there's also the category of praying for change. Um, I had a situation with my husband where he was um, just involved with something that I did not think he should, and and I felt very wrong about it. And 
I came to him and I talked to him about it and he said, well, I don't feel wrong about it. I think it's fine. And, and he didn't show any signs of um, listening at all. I think, you know, now that we married 25 years, if I did come to him that way, I think there would be a different conversation because this was about 15 years ago. And, um, and I just realized, you know, he was what I call my brick. He was in his brick wall mode where he was not going to move, soften anything. And, and then, um, I felt so helpless. I felt really helpless because I really actually had a you know very strong feeling about this and I, that concerned me. And and so I just thought, what else can I do? And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed partly in faith, but part like, oh, he's obviously never going to change, but I'll pray about it anyway, <laughs> that kind of prayer. And then sure enough, one day, just a few months later, he came to me and he just walked by me and he said, you know, hon, that thing that was bothering you, because I just want you to know that I'm not going to do that anymore. Oh, and that was it. That's the, that's God. It was totally God. Cause we had had zero conversation about it since. And he didn't even tell me, like we both knew what he was talking about. And, and that was it. I just praise the Lord. I thought, okay, Lord, you were working that whole time. And I should have had more faith that, that you can move where I can't. Mm-hmm. Another big part of this is communication and listening. Those are, they kind of go hand in hand, but um, do you mind speaking to that? Yes, I think, you know, I know we, we know that communication is important to marriage, um, but it's, it's, it's harder than you would think, right? Sometimes right, and right. taking the time to sit down and talk things through. Um, it's very important to have that on a regular basis. So you don't wait to, until you have a big thing to work through. We try to work, you know, kind of get out the knots before it's a huge ball of knots. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. Yeah. I think that's the regular communication that's so important. Um, I think as women, I hate to generalize, but we tend, when we think of communication, we think of talking. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and I'm a good talker, so I, you know, that, that is my tendency. But I've also found that if I'm quiet enough for long enough and, and ask a gentle question, that the communication actually goes both ways and that I can... Um, I need to be listening and showing him that I'm a good listener too. Such a big deal. And it, or I've had this conversation with many friends that we want to, when we communicate, we just want to be heard. We don't necessarily want to take it in. Sacrifice, determination, and commitment. Those are so big. I have, we have so many friends um, in the last couple of years, my husband and I have just ha- watched so many marriages crumble and, you know, various reasons. And some are really obvious sin issues. And then there's others where it's like, well, it just didn't work or, um, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, or I felt deceived in the beginning and it is breaking our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you said in here about commitment that this isn't a feel good vow you've made, but a lifelong commitment to love each other. And that really goes back to the fact that we're making that vow before God. It's not before our own feelings at the time. Yeah, that's, um, it's too easy to, when it gets hard to throw it over your shoulder or to give up. And I, um, you know, I've never walked in, you know, in the shoes of someone who has had to deal with terrible things to work through, but I certainly have come across many, many testimonies of amazing miraculous work that God's done in marriages even in some of the worst circumstances and um and I you know we just need to 
um, like I said, to kind of have that long-term view of where you want to go, but also being willing to do the hard thing, even when today it doesn't make any sense to stay in this marriage. Um, but to look instead to God and go, you know, left to my own or left to our own, this is a hopeless mess. But God, in your eyes, I know all things are possible. And I'm just going to stick with this. And I'm going to wait and see what you reveal and do in and through our marriage. Time and grace and love are the last three on this list. And sometimes those are are givens for some people. Like, obviously, we need to date each other. Or obviously, we need to have grace with each other. But it's not always. And sometimes we just need to make sure that we are planning planning to build time with each other. I remember my husband, when we were first courting or going out or whatever you want to call it, one of the things he said to me that actually made me so excited for our future was he said, I can't wait till we have history together. And uh, saying that almost makes me cry because I look back now, like it's been 12 years and such a short time in comparison to so many other people. But we are kind of at that point where we're starting to have a little bit of history together. And it makes me so excited for the future. Oh, that is such a, that is such a beautiful thing. That just gives me chills, <laughs> but it, it's so true. We just, Matt and I just uh, went on a, a holiday to celebrate our 25th, um, just last month, a few weeks ago. And, um, and while we were just had this chance to look back on the 25 years and the things that we've walked through, the hard things, the wonderful things, and, and just how well we know each other now. And now, you know, we still have more knowing to, to grow in, but, but just that, that, like you said, that we're so, our lives are so interwoven now that it's, it's become, you can start to see the picture and um, it is a beautiful thing. And that, that takes time and it takes walking through stuff together. So I can really appreciate that. Well, thank you, Lisa. Thank you for your time today and for, um, for writing this piece of encouragement and, um, for all the work you're doing with Club 31 Women. This website is so rich and so there's so many resources on it for for marriage, for parenting, um, just for living as Christian women. And you have a wonderful collection of ladies gathered together to contribute and bless the hearts of your audience. And so we're very grateful for you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Well, here we go. Our 10 collective kids are playing together in the backyard. We're going to podcast. It's sort of quiet. We're going to make a mad dash to finish this episode. I enjoyed my talk with Lisa. I feel like it was forever ago. We've been waiting for this episode. Yeah, I'm so excited that we finally get to talk about it. And I got to listen to it because I've been excited too. Yeah, I really loved her list of... The things that it takes to make it to 25 years. But I think it's it's just, really it's a list that is so easy to relate back to the gospel. Hmm. And I really loved that because it wasn't like a legalistic to-do list of things like you must do this and you must be this way. I was thinking of them less like a list of to-dos and more like a list of... A list of to-bees. Yeah, right? like helpful characteristics and yeah. and important elements to bring to your marriage to bolster it and strengthen it. And mm-hmm. yeah, 
So I loved that list for that reason. Yeah, it was, it, I loved listening to her um, just talk through them each as well and giving some practical ways to work it out too. Yeah. She was just really helpful with giving good pointers and... Which characteristics really stood out to you as stuff you needed to grow in personally? Is that a mean question to no, ask? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes and no. You know, her her point on compassion really convicted me because, mm. you know, I was thinking about it and I think it's as a wife, the person that I depend on the most is my husband. And so it is hard to have compassion when, you know, he just, he's a human. He is, We have human frailties that, right? And so when he gets sick or, um, you know, it hasn't happened in a really long time, but once he got hurt at work and... I just was panicked, like, what are we going to do, right? You're and not was, allowed to be injured. Yeah. <laughs> no. It was a totally unreasonable reaction, and I'm getting better at having compassion and trying to extend the kindness of Christ to him instead of my own selfish hmm. reactions when stuff like that happens. And But yeah, that was a, that was a really good one for me to, to really think about and analyze like how I react in those situations and how I can imitate Christ. Yeah. I love that thinking in, in terms of a gospel centered perspective, that this is a lot of the ways that we love one another, right? It's Mm -hmm. not just, you know, when we think about loving one another, we it would be easy to just think about that as having good feelings towards one another, but it's so much more than that. And mm-hmm. compassion is one of those things that we're actually commanded to have for each other, you know, put on compassionate hearts. And that's a hard thing to do sometimes, especially when our expectations are super high or mm-hmm. we have our spouse on or our husband on this, you know, pedestal. We think, oh, you must never come down from there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then if they act human, then we think, Oh, somehow either we're either better than they are or Mm -hmm. um, they have no business having any failings because we depend on them. And that is, it's really easy for me as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? What were some things that, or was there anything on the list that you found personally convicting? I mean, to be honest, um, all of them were convicting on some level. Yeah. (laughs) I think that, but there's some things like sometimes we're really good at certain virtues that they just come easily to us. We just, our personality bent is toward certain virtues, maybe like, I'm really good at being committed or something like that. And so that there's a lot that I just felt like, oh, those are really not hard for me. Those aren't a struggle, but one that I really want to grow in. One thing that I was very convicted about is the art of listening and mm. I find that my husband and I will have, we have such great conversations and I really enjoy them, but I really have to practice just setting aside all the important thoughts that I have when he's talking mm. and not interjecting or interrupting, but just letting him finish a whole thought before I finish his sentences for him, even if I'm great at finishing his sentences, <laughs> but just giving him a chance to express himself completely before I have all my thoughts, you know? I think sometimes that I do that in a panic, like, if I don't say something now, then I'm going to forget what I wanted to say, and it was really important, but then I need to just trust the Holy Spirit to remind me of 
if it was really that important that I needed to bring it up, then right. the Holy Spirit will actually remind me and I can trust mm-hmm. God to be faithful that if, if this is an important thing to interject into the conversation, like jot it down or whatever, but, but to really engage and be present in listening, that was something that I feel like I need to work on. Mm. I think that listening is such an important courtesy that we give one another to, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a act of humility. It's, it's valuing others above ourselves. Like Paul talks about in Philippians too, you know, not thinking that we are the most important or, you know, first Corinthians talks about how um, love doesn't insist on its own way. And so I think that a lot of those ways of loving and being humble are really exemplified by listening to one another. Yeah. I know it's talked about a lot, but making sure that we're listening in order to understand what they're saying and not listening in order to respond. Yes. And as you were talking, <laughs> I I will do that. I will, you know, I'll already have what I want to say ready as soon as he's done talking instead of listening to what he's what he is actually working out, right? Just right. in conversations and what do you find is easy for you in marriage? Like what is your personality? Just looking at this, one thing that I've made a a real concentrated effort in the last few years is to be thankful Mm -hmm. for my husband and the ways that he takes care of us. And um, I, so I don't, it's something that I've made a practice of Mm -hmm. consciously. And, um, you know, I can start to, I've seen some of the fruits of that. Just as I've practiced thankfulness in my marriage, I have felt a lot more united with my husband, especially when um, conflict comes up, not even necessarily between us, but, you know, maybe something that we're facing with together with something outside of our home. I just feel really united with him when I practice thankfulness. Mm. And, you know, I just keep a running list and my husband works away a lot and So I just have a kind of a running list when I start to feel even disconnected with him. I just start Mm -hmm. to thank the Lord. And I really encourage my kids to as well. Like when we're, whenever, when someone's feeling discouraged because we haven't seen daddy in a little bit, we just stop and pray and we thank God for him. And we thank God for the ways that he provides for us and the way that my husband lays his life down for us. And it's such an attitude adjustment for all of us. And it just helps it in, it reminds us that, God sees us and God loves us and it reminds us that, you know, daddy is working hard and he loves us mm-hmm. and he's doing these things because he loves us because yeah. he'd rather be home. Right. right. <laughs> like, And it's, it's important that we remember that. And that I remember that too, because you can forget and you can, you can start can to feel like, like you're out there having yeah. the time of your life. He's just having all the fun and he wants to be away. And it really isn't true. He really like... He loves us and he wants to be with us, but yeah. And even husbands that work and go, go to work and are, you know, maybe at the office nine to five and come home, we can still practice that kind of thankfulness for them and remembering that, you know, they are making a sacrifice as well. Like the temptation is very real to feel like you get to go to the office Mm -hmm. and have the best day and I'm stuck here with the kids or whatever. And practicing thankfulness really grounds our hearts in reality and and grounds our hearts in God's goodness remembering that ultimately even our husband is not actually our provider God is our yes. provider and Amen. he's working through our husband and 
we're, then we're thankful to God for our husband and not just thankful to our husband or having vague feelings of gratitude for, mm-hmm. you know, that our, that our husband has a job or something like that. Like we're, we're, when you're specifically thankful to God in those moments, I think it really produces a lot more joy in your life and keeps you grounded in the reality and the truth of who God is and his goodness towards us. Mm-hmm. What about you? What's one thing on the list that you feel is kind of something that you naturally are good at? I'd really like to say forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't we all? I would say it's probably easier for me to forgive him than anybody else for some reason. Mm. Which is good. But mm-hmm. I think um I think determination and commitment mm. are they just feel like no brainers to me. Like, right. Like, well, of course, you know, <laughs> they mm-hmm. don't feel like a strain or struggle or anything like that. It just, it just seems normal. And so I'm really thankful for that, that those are, that God has made it easy for me in that sense that I haven't felt like the grass could be greener somewhere else, you know? And right. so God has been very kind to me and in, in making me thankful for the stability that I have with my husband. And mm-hmm. yeah, when I was reading the list, I, there are just certain things that I was like, well, duh, you know, right? <laughs> but it's not that way for everybody and everybody has their mm-hmm. own struggles. And totally. Yeah. Do you have any scriptures that you meditate on more often than not to help you love your husband well or really think well of him? We memorized Ephesians 6 for as part of our schooling mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And then I had done a quick study of the book of Ephesians and the first half is just so full of all of the things that God has done for us. Mm-hmm. And then as you get into the second half, it's more instructional in the ways that we're supposed to live. Mm-hmm. And so... And then we were memorizing Ephesians 6, and I kept going through it and loving so much of it, and then I just found that I really didn't want to skip the last part of Ephesians 5 and Mm -hmm. the instruction that Paul gives to wives and husbands, and Mm -hmm. it just was so encouraging to me, and I'll often turn to it, you know, my kids can sing Ephesians 6, and when I see the ways that Christ has loved the church and I see the ways that my husband loves me, it always humbles me and fills me with gratitude um, for what Christ has done for me and for what the ways that my husband loves me. Mm. It's just always such a good reminder for me. What about you? What are some scriptures that you have meditated on and helped you in your marriage? I feel like the broken record, I always talk about Colossians 3, mm. 12 to 17, and those are some of my favorite verses just about what we're called to as beloved children. And that's such a rich passage, but it's really all about living out the one another's of scripture. While you were talking about the the Ephesians passage, I was kind of struck by, you know, there might be women listening who actually don't feel like their marriage is in a good place. Hmm. And, and that's really challenging. And even just, even the times where my husband and I have had conflicts they've thankfully never been anything so major that we've had to go get help but I know I know couples that have gone through that and it's painful for them and when nothing when you want nothing in the world more than unity with each other and Mm. and there's sin or barriers to to fellowship in your way that's such a challenging and painful place to be and so I just wanted to 
just offer this from First Peter 3. Peter is just encouraging the church to remember what Christ has done for them and how they live in response. And he gives kind of this extreme example in a way that even if someone isn't, even if your husband isn't obeying the word, that they might be won over by your conduct. And so mm-hmm. I think one of the things that Lisa talks about in this article that we discussed with her, that I, that I chatted with her about, is this humility that we are supposed to be clothing ourselves with, right? And just remembering that we're both sinners in need of grace. And my job as a wife is to first have my heart right with the Lord and remember that the overflow of living with my eyes fixed on Jesus is ultimately going to be living in love for my husband Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that you don't go to the church for help. You don't go to your elders and pastors for help if you're in a difficult situation or if there's unrepentant sin in your marriage that is damaging your marriage and your unity. Um, absolutely go get help. But we can't underestimate the value of living faithfully and walking faithfully with the Lord. And what Peter says after he talks about husbands and wives, he says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. And I think about how, if we applied that to our marriages, how far that would go in creating peace and growing joy in our marriages. And so mm-hmm. just I just want to encourage that if if someone is struggling, they should get help. Go to a pastor, go to your elders, um, seek out counseling, biblical counseling, and get the help that you need for your marriage. But also remember that we're responsible for, ultimately, for our own individual hearts. Mm-hmm. And, and we really don't want to forget how much God does with a heart that's submitted to him. 